Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Weston Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, let's join Pastor Dave. Open your Bibles, please, to Revelation 3, starting in verse 1. Revelation 3, starting in verse, in verse 1. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few, few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they walk with me in white, and they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our gracious Lord, we thank you. Father, that we have the opportunity to come here and worship today. But Father, also to be able to open your word. And Father, I ask that as we do so, that you will open our hearts and open our minds now to lead us in a direction that only you can lead. Father, hide me, hide me behind the cross. For Father, I am nothing without you. And so as we, as we continue on, Father, we ask that the glory be to you in all that we do, in all that we say. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Please leave those Bibles open. Sardis, Sardis is the fifth church that, that we're covering in the churches of Revelation out of the seven. And Sardis, uh, whether it says it in your Bible, I don't know, some have, have the headings on the chapters and all, but Sardis is called the dead church. That's what it's, that's what it's known for. And, and there are traits... In, in today that, that we're going to see. Um, and, and there's traits of, of every church in, in all of the seven churches. Um, and, and we need to be able to see those traits that, that we have. Um, people say that, that um, the church in Laodicea is, is the one that, that uh, best describes the church in America. Um, and yeah, it, it does. The Church of, La- of the Laodiceans is the last one that we'll do. Um, but, you know, after doing a study on this, um, I found that, that Sardis 
Um, being known as the dead church and what makes Sardis the dead church is I, I looked at that and I said, you know, um, there are a lot of churches today that fit this bill. Um, you know, when you look at churches throughout, throughout the world, um, it's, it's an amazing thing that you see how churches grow. And churches are growing in, in, in other nations. Um, in, in America, in the United States, no, not so much. But, but, and so when we look at, at the church, at the seven churches, we're going to see the traits that, that, are, that are there, um, that are in those seven churches. And we, and we, can, we can look at those today and, and, and see them um, and, and see the example that they're setting and that the church today in the United States fits fits a lot of those churches. I, I remember um, uh, when I was um, a pastor in the United Methodist Church, one of the things that I had to do, Yahoo, was going to the annual conference. What fun. My other, the other fun thing I had was to slam my head in car doors. It was really, you know, and I think I enjoyed that more than I did the conferences, but, uh, but the, you know, the thing is, the last thing that they did every, every year was vote on closing churches. And every year there was eight or nine churches that, that uh, they, they put on the ballot to close and everybody would vote on whether to close them, whether not to close them. Um, incidentally, they always closed them. Um, they uh, always had each individual church, well, not always, but, but sometimes they had representatives there from the church. Some of them would speak up and they were given the chance to, to give their side of the story. Um, more often than not, um, they never said a thing. Never said a thing. And, and so the churches themselves were, were closed. Um, they were, um, there was just was no argument. They were tired. It was time to close it. And so they did. The church in America. I don't know if you remember uh, Walt Kelly or not. Walt Kelly is the one who wrote the comic strip uh, Pogo. Do you remember? Do you remember Pogo? Remember that one? Um, this is what he said in one of his comic strips. He says, "We have met the enemy, and he is us." And how prophetic that that really is when it comes down to the church. You see, I want you to hear a difference here. Um, over, the, over the past churches that, that I've been talking about here, I want you to hear a difference in, in each and every one of these, the four churches up to this, up to this point, um, when we talk about what Jesus is saying to each one of these churches. In Ephesus, he says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. Um, in, uh, in Smyrna, he says, I know your works, your tribulation, your poverty, but, but you are rich. In, in Pergamos, he says, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and, and did not deny my faith, even in the days of, uh, in which Antipas, my, my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. And then there was Thyatira, he says, I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, your patience. And as for your works, your last are more than, than your first. And then what does he say? What, what does he say about Sardis? 
what he said in, in Sardis was, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you're dead. You're dead. Something different on this one than there was in the other one. You see, I know that you're alive. I can reach down there and, and I can feel a pulse. I know you're alive. But you know something? There's no heart. How can you have a pulse when you don't, when you don't have a heart? It, a heart. It, it, you know, it doesn't mean that they weren't doing works. It doesn't mean that they weren't, they weren't doing some good things because they probably were. But there was something that was missing. The pulse was there, but there was no heart. You see, I, I want you to picture what, what Jesus is saying to Sardis. I want you to picture this. Sardis appeared to be alive. They appeared to be alive. And if we take it and we can put it in, in today's terms, um, you, you could look at, at Sardis and you would say it was probably a beautiful church. It had everything going for it. It, it, had, it had beauty. You, you, but it, and it might even look like it was spiritually vibrant. Could. It could, it could look that way. But honestly, where they are is that they were spiritually, they were lifeless. The pulse is there, but there's, there's no heart. They, they were Christian, but they were Christian in name only. Let me give you an example on this. If you flip over to Matthew 23, Matthew 23, verse 27. We got it to there. Yeah. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. See, you've, you've seen, you've driven by um, uh, cemeteries before. And, and you know, you look and, and there, there would be um, a, a, great, a great big, uh, um, whoop, help me out here seeing that I'm, I'm not, not in one, a mausoleum, um, a big mausoleum. Beautiful, beautiful on the outside. But in all of that beauty and that, that you see, in, in all that, that it is, and, and the ornate uh, carvings on it, and, and just the beauty of it all, what's inside? Dead. It's dead. And, and what, a, what a great way for Jesus to actually describe the Pharisees and, 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 and the scribes of that day. You know, the Phari- I mean, they were well-dressed. Remember how, how Jesus talked about the Pharisees standing on the corner, dressed in, in the beautiful robes that they were in, praying, you know, so everybody could see them and all the works that they did. You know, they, they, they brought attention to themselves. They did good things. Guys, they did good things. But here we go, and remember last week when I told you about this, that, that the problem with Jesus is that he sees inside. That's what makes people's, the, the hair stand up on the back of people's necks when you speak about Jesus, because Jesus, Jesus sees inside. He knows who we are. Nothing is hidden. And he can see the beauty. He can see the beauty of of the individual. He can see the beauty of the church. 
He can also see the beauty of the mausoleum and he knows that what's inside is nothing more than dead. See, it doesn't matter what comes out of the mouth. But what really matters is, is, what's, is what's in the heart. And if the heart is filled with dead men's bones, there's nothing there. That's why you get a pulse, but there's no heart behind, behind that pulse. You know, I, I stated earlier that the church of Sardis reminded me of, of many churches um, today. And, and, this, and this is why. There's no, and, and in America, I will add, in, in the United States, because here's what's going on with Sardis and here's what goes on with the churches today in this country. There's no persecution. We don't know persecution in this country. You know, we're, we're meeting here today. Guess what? If we wanted to meet three more times today, we could do that. I can open up the Word of God and we can preach the Word of God. This isn't persecution. We don't know persecution. Um, and, and there doesn't seem to be any trouble from any of the outside forces at, at Sardis. There's, there's no problem going on with the outside forces. The government isn't, isn't um, bothering them. The government does not bother us. Um, there, there is no other faith that is keeping us from meeting. There is no other religion or there was none stopping them from meeting. There's nothing stopping any churches today from meeting. There's no heresy from within. Nobody's teaching a false doctrine. Like all of the other churches, if you're, if you're listening as I do all these other churches, there is one of those things happening in every church. Somehow somebody got into the church and they're preaching a false doctrine or, or they're fighting within or there's persecution coming from the outside. All of those things. And every one of those things... Jesus finds something good about them. He finds something that they're doing that is good. But, but when he looks at Sardis, and Sardis has no persecution, Sardis has no problems, and they should be, they should be flying high, what's he say? You're dead. You're dead. Huh. All those other churches have an issue. Sardis, Sardis seems to be a peaceful and a religiously correct. And, and so it appears that the problems that Sardis is having, they can only blame themselves for, for the problems that, that is going on there. You know, so what happened in Sardis for, for Jesus to call them a dead church? What happened? Well, first of all, what does dead mean? When we look at, at, at someone, if you're calling a church a dead church, and honestly, I think back to, to those times that I've had to spend at an, at an annual conference and watching them close churches and, and seeing the reaction of the people. There was just, there was, there's just no argument. But it, it, to call a church a dead church means that the Holy Spirit isn't there. There is no Holy Spirit there. How does that happen? How does a church, how does a church not have the Holy Spirit within it? How can that possibly be? You see, and as, as I read about this, uh, about Sardis, 
Um, some, some commentators say that they, they believe that Sardis quietly succumbed to pagan beliefs. And, and that, you know, if you want to teach a false doctrine, if, if you want to, you know, start preaching pagan rituals in the church, yeah, the, the Holy Spirit isn't going to hang around. I can, I can guarantee you that. But you know, guys, I, I don't think that's what was happening in Sardis. I, I really don't. If they were compromising the truth, because we, I, we've seen that in the other churches, when they're preaching a false doctrine and when they're doing that type of thing, Jesus comes out and, and tells them that, that what you're doing, what you're doing is, is wrong. So I honestly, guys, I don't think that they were uh, involved in, in pagan worship or anything else, because I know Jesus would tell them that. I mean, and here's something that you ought to know. I know that he would tell them that because Jesus Christ doesn't pull punches. He didn't care whether his word to you hurts your feelings or not. Does he? He doesn't care about your feelings. He cares about your eternity. You see, and that is the difference. So, if you want to know what, what, why people, why the world... Don't, don't care to hear the name of Jesus Christ. It's because he doesn't care about their feelings. He cares about their eternity. And, and so in, in that, I, I know, I know that, that, that they weren't preaching something that was wrong. Now, you see, what I believe that Sardis' problem was, was, was the same problem that, that many churches, many churches face today. They didn't care. They didn't care. You see, they went through the motions. They went through the motions. And they, and they just didn't care. The Holy Spirit, guys, the Holy Spirit does not stay where there is no fire. He does not stay where there is no fire. No fire in the belly, no fire Holy Spirit. There isn't, it isn't there. You see, remember Pentecost? Do you remember that glorious, glorious day that's, that's talked about in, in, in Acts? When, when the, the disciples all went to that, that upper room to wait for something, to wait for this comforter, to wait for this one to come that Jesus was going to send them. And they, and they were in that upper room and all of a sudden the wind started to blow. There was, there, well, actually, I don't know if the wind actually blew, but blew, it didn't, but there was a noise as if there was a wind that, that was blowing. It was like it was a hurricane. The noise was, was deafening as, 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 as it describes this. And then this fire as of a tongue comes down on each and every one of those in, in that upper room, those disciples. What kind of a description is that of the Holy Spirit that is coming to this earth? Power. Power. Fire. Excitement. You see, the Holy Spirit is not the silent member of the Trinity. He's not. The Holy Spirit is what makes you stand up and stick your hands in the air. The Holy Spirit is what puts the fire in your belly. You see, no fire in the belly. 
The I don't care and the Holy Spirit is gone. You might as well be preaching. <sighs> might as well be preaching nothing or preaching a false doctrine because either one of those will drive the Holy Spirit away. You see, the Holy Spirit is not silent. The Holy Spirit is powerful. But here's the thing. It's painfully obvious when the, when the Holy Spirit is not around. Did you ever hear the term that, that the, the silence was deafening? That's the lack of the Holy Spirit in, in a church. You see, I believe that, that when the church in Sardis was formed, and there was a date, there was a date that the church in Sardis was formed, that there was a fire and there was a passion within that church. In fact, I'll guarantee it. The heart of that church, when it started, was there. There was a pulse, there was a heart, there was a fire. But over time, that passion was lost. It was lost. You see, and then what happened? Folks, what happened then in the church of Sardis was that they were just going through the motions. They were going through the motions. How sad. How sad that is. They said no to the third member of the Trinity. That's really what they did. And he left. And he left. You know, so what are the, what are the symptoms? Every illness, you know, as, as, as Christ is speaking to the church in Sardis, and he's telling them, guys... I know that you're alive. I know when I, when I pinch you, you say, ouch. But you're dead. And how can, how can you picture that? How do you see that? What are, out of every illness that you see, that there, there are symptoms for that. What are the symptoms of a dead church? No desire for outreach. No desire to evangelize. Satisfaction in doing nothing. Those are, the, those are the symptoms of a dead church. Folks, I fear that, that the churches in the United States are in big trouble. Big trouble. And how do I say something like that? Because statistics tell us that 4,000 churches in the U.S. close every year. 4,000 churches. I, I thought that it was bad when I, when I heard that, that 1,500 pastors quit every day. 4,000 churches close every year. Um, there are a third less churches in this country than there was back in 1950. If you go back farther than that, it's, it's, it's 50% less than there was, you know, 100 years ago. And guys... What is causing that? 3,500 people every day leave the church. They leave the church. You see, there are varying reasons for, for everything. But I think the thing that bothered me the most out of watching churches close is that people sit there and they shrug their shoulders and they say, eh, I guess it was time for them to go anyway. You know, I, let me give you an example of something here. I, uh, 
belong to, and there's quite a few of us in here, belong to a community called an Emmaus community. It's worldwide. It's worldwide. Okay? Um, it is a real movement. Uh, it, it, it builds... Um, builds leadership in a church. That's what it's for. That's the original purpose of it, though. I knew a pastor who, who uh, I worked with on, on a few of these walks, and he had been in another state um, at a different time, and they had an Emmaus community there. And when he started working at the church, um, he asked about the Emmaus community that he knew that they had, and they said, well, you know, we've had a few walks here with, with Emmaus, and we have about two or three people that go. He says, how can you have two or three people that go? Well, that's what the Lord wants. Yeah. See, the Lord's in favor of closing churches. He actually gives out the list of which ones ought to be closed. Guys, that's how dumb that comment was. Well, that's what the Lord wants. He really wants me to sit here and do absolutely nothing. You see, folks... All I, can, I look at, at churches that close, 4,000 churches that close in this country every year, and it breaks my heart. Why? Because we accept it. We say, well, it needed to close anyway. You know what it was? Do you know what closed those churches? There was no fire in the belly. That's what it was. And nobody wanted to get off their derriere and do anything. That's why it closed. Because there was no outreach. No, no, there's no outreach. There's no passion. There's no evangelism. There's no. How is a church ever, ever going to survive that? They don't. They don't survive that. You see, folks, there needs to be a fire in the belly. There needs to be a fire in the belly. The Holy Spirit needs to be alive and well. There needs to be a push to bring souls to Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. It's what it is. We can't fall asleep. We can't. That fire needs to be there. Folks, every one of you, every one of you knows a church that's closed. Every one of you. Look around us. Look around us and look at the problems that are happening in this community Look around us and see the churches that have 10 people showing up on a Sunday morning. It's happening around us. Folks, we can't let that happen. And all it is, all it is, and and honestly, all it is is just no desire. It's no desire. I've, I've... I've watched this happening. I, every time I, I open up my, my emails, there's somebody else who has an opinion as to why people don't go to churches. And you know one? Each one is supposed to be right, and each one contradicts the other one. There, nobody really knows. And so you know something? When nobody really knows what it is, it's something that's obvious, and nobody will admit it. And chances are, now there is no chances are, It's in Scripture. If we would look to Scripture, we would find the answer to this, and the answer is sitting here in Sardis. It's sitting there, and it's telling us that, you know what? People just don't care no more. And they didn't care either. You see, folks, that's where it's at today. There needs to be a fire in your belly. You need acid indigestion of the Holy Spirit. That's what you really need. Folks, 
<laughs> we need to get up and work. Amen. We need to get up and work. There is, no, there is no other alternative to this. There is none. We need to be evangelizers. We need to go out and we need to find people. We need to say, hey, listen to my kids. Bring them to church. We need the neighbor who says, I'm too busy doing nothing to go to church on Sunday. We need to do this. I said last Sunday during our meeting, I watched something in this church that was the most amazing thing I had ever seen before in my life. I watched, I watched a church grow. I watched a church grow so fast that it was just, it was absolutely an amazing thing. During the winter months, I used to, 1,200 people used to come through this church. 1,200, three services. One on Saturday, two on Sunday. And you know what? You know what we did that was special? Did we do special advertising? No. <laughs> no. Did we do something else that was special? Did, did we bring Billy Graham in? No. What did we do? Word of mouth. We went out and we grabbed somebody and we brought them to church and it grew. We did, honestly, folks, what we did is what you're supposed to do. This, this isn't... Out of all of the stuff that I've read on, on how churches grow and, and, and all of those things, guys... It's just an opinion. What makes a church grow are people bringing people. People who believe in what they're hearing. People who believe in the saving grace of Jesus Christ who want to share that with somebody else. Who truly believe that we're living in end times and that the lost are lost and you don't want to see that you got to care you got to care and you got to have that burning in your belly guys this is what we are supposed to do all I want all I want when I stand before the Lord one day there's not going to be a paycheck waiting there's, there's not going to be some, some special section that I'll be able to go into. All I want is to have the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And he'll say it to each and every one of you if we're doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. He sees our heart. He sees our heart. He feels our pulse. And he's looking for that burning is it there? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for your word. Lord, we keep looking everywhere else for the answers. But the answers are in your word. And you've given us example after an example of what it takes to, to, to bring a church to life. And I, and I know that every time one closes, it breaks your heart. Father, it needs to break all our hearts because there's, there's just a few less people who are out there evangelizing for you. Father, let us swing the doors open wide and, and, 
and ask the Holy Spirit to come in amongst us, to, to liven us, to, to bring life in, into this church and into the churches of this country. Father, we're not sunk. We're not sunk yet. And, and I know that, that there are problems in this country. Father, don't, if, if we're alive, let us speak. Let us, let us be who you want us to be. Let the churches be what you want them to be. Let's save lives. So, Father, we give you the praise and glory in all of it. And I pray this in your most precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.